and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I am David. End of introduction. It's just me. <laughs> I'm going to try doing this on my own. Uh, there's a chance you're not hearing this because I was weirded out and gave up. But no, Tyler uh, is on Safari and he's. it's going to be, as we talked about, a long time before we could do another episode uh, again together. Uh, and I did not want to build up, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a month and a half worth of movies without any any release. Uh, so I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try doing a couple of these while Tyler is is away, and 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 we'll see how it goes. Uh, it had already been too long, uh, and I, I I tell you that because I'm gonna be talking about movies I remember very little about. But maybe that'll make this go faster, and I can get done with this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start. Uh, I watched uh, Jonas Carpignano's A Chiara, which means to Chiara in Italian. Um, and uh, this is a part of the. Um, I don't know when it's coming out, uh, but it was um, in the uh, the little book of uh, uh, award screeners I got from Neon. Uh, they send out screeners every year, and this one uh, was a guess they were pushing it for foreign film uh but uh, i don't know when it's actually coming out in the u.s um so maybe this is the last you'll hear of it but uh akiara is the story of a uh the daughter of a mid-level uh mafioso in italy um and the process of her kind of uh realizing that that's who her father is her father that she's very close to um and uh it kind of gave me some uh it's less comedic but um some of the vibes of like uh season one aj soprano like because she also has an older sister with aj uh had an older sister who was more clued in to to what's going on and and you see uh this um this this process of this uh uh girl re-centering herself in her own family and, and her own idea of of her father but it's also a great story about a teenage girl a great uh um it very much captures that sort of headstrong know-it-allness that people at that age um have and so uh and and that tendency to see something happening in the world as something that's happening to her uh and um so uh that's a a strange place to be in when you're like the story you know her father has to like literally hide out because of rival family has a bounty on his head or whatever and she's got this attitude of, I can't believe this is happening to me. Uh, that makes it sound funnier than it is. It's actually, um, very, uh, uh, beautiful and, um, intuitive filmmaking. There's also some, 
elements of gets into some psychological horror uh type stuff quite good um but yeah keep an eye out for it i don't know when you'll be able to see it if you uh live in america i know when you can see Zack snyder's army of the dead which is right now on netflix if you want but uh don't bother it's a, a it's not it's a it, it's two and a half hours that is completely not worth a quarter of that it's not aggressively bad um but uh i i wanted to like i you know i kind of uh not been kind to Zack snyder's films over the years and and i i know that he has some defenders um well yeah that's that's a fucking understatement um he has some psychotic defenders but i meant among people that i uh whose opinions i value i know that he has some defenders um and so i guess i wanted to check in with him but i didn't want to have to like watch a four-hour movie that's part of the franchise this is a merely two and a half hour movie that is uh well i was gonna say standalone but there's already a prequel um called army of thieves that he didn't direct but um yeah it's uh it's just a big dumb movie that has you know maybe a little bit of style but not enough to justify um uh it's itself and it's in its length um it's got running zombies uh which obviously Zack Snyder has been there before and with better results uh, it's got sort of you know, it's got this like uh, emotional arc at the center that is not nearly as effective as I think he thinks it is because it's a pretty standard action movie trope to have the big like strong guy just trying to have a uh, relationship with his kid. That's uh, it's, that's not new. Uh, yeah, can't say that I recommend it. So I'll move on uh yeah here's the thing uh, you're gonna have to like hear me drinking water at, uh, at certain points because i don't have <laughs> i don't have tyler to throw to uh to vamp while i take a drink of water um so uh hold on one second moving on to stanley nelson's attica stanley nelson and tracy curry's attica it seems some stanley nelson films before um the 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 Black Panthers uh, film is the one that sticks out. I feel like I might have seen uh, another one, but um, he makes really uh, effective historical, um, recent historical documentaries. And uh, Attica is a documentary about the Attica prison rebellion, uprising, uh, revolt, and it is told. Uh, I I don't know if this is Stanley Nelson's choice or if no one um from like the prison administration or the governor's office wanted to to be involved but um he has the his interviewees are almost entirely the prisoners or the family of a guard um and uh so the movie makes no uh it it leaves uh, no question as to which side it's on it's on the the side of of the prisoners um and 
that makes it all the more stirring uh, and truly shocking. Um, I, you know, these, uh, to me, things, I said recent history, but this still happened before I was born. And therefore, I will, it's the kind of thing that I'm able to read about, that I know about. Um, but Stanley Nelson does a good job of making you feel how, uh, how electric that this was um the the reasons that it happened and how completely unforgivably shocking it is that the way that it uh was resolved um which is a it was the, that's too kind a word uh but uh i i guess i won't spoil it for people who haven't read uh, uh, about attica but um it's a pretty fantastic and memorable document of uh, of uh of the event moving on to philip barantini's boiling point uh i watched this mostly because i like stephen graham a lot um and this is a movie in which he plays a uh a, a chef at a uh uh, a buzzy sort of fine dining restaurant and the movie is one of those all-in-one take movies um although it's not in real time it actually does some kind of clever things to uh to show that the evening is passing it's all, all takes place in one night at at the restaurant it does some clever things where like you know they haven't opened for dinner service yet and so the uh you know someone's like setting up the people are setting up the silverware and and uh the they're out like having a pre-staff meeting and then like you go into the follow into the kitchen and he has a scene with sous chef the dishwasher or whatever and then you come back out and the restaurant is like bustling and full of people and that, that like those sort of things to show the passage of time um that's that's interesting but um really it feels like the the movie is at its best when it's just kind of documentary style detailing the uh hectic but well-oiled machine that a um restaurant kitchen is and and the the behind the scenes for kitchen and just getting through the night but um it has to add all these things that i think like oh this one's got a drinking problem and this like pastry chef is going through to the like it, it it seems to impose a lot of like uh kind of um recognizable and uh unoriginal sort of dramatic uh wrinkles onto what was already pretty interesting just as a uh a dramatization of of a pretty fascinating process so i can't really recommend that um Next up, I uh, Natalie and I watched Byron Howard and Jared Bush's Encanto, and uh, I liked it. Um, as far as animated Disney releases from 2021, I still prefer Luca, but uh, Encanto is very uh, pretty and 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 fun and and funny. There's a lot of funny stuff uh, in it. I, I can't spend too long on Encanto. You, everybody knows about it. Um, 
it may or may not have just won an Oscar. I, I've already forgotten. <laughs> I do that. We spend months every year leading up to the Oscars, especially when they're at the end of fucking March this year. It's it, like, uh, you know, who's 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 gonna win? You know, who's uh, who's surging in the standings and the you know who's who's trending? Who's got the momentum? And then two days after the air, I barely remember a single thing that that happened. What I do remember is the first Adrian Lyon film in 20 years, Deep Water, direct, uh, starring Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus. Um, Adrian Lyon hasn't made a movie since Unfaithful, which is a movie that I love and that I know Tyler, the absent, absent co-host Tyler, also loves. Uh, and Deep Water uh, is a fantastic follow-up. I really um, got on its wavelength very quickly. Um, I... Uh, uh, Anadarmus is it kind of, I mean, it kind of feels like an old fashioned, uh, like a, a throwback. I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, it's a return of the erotic thriller, and it does kind of have some of this, like, we don't see movies as much like this with big stars, you know, um, getting uh, mildly kinky. Um, but it's also a throwback in the sense of the way that it uh i think celebrates potentially in a male gaze type of way but celebrates um Ana de Armas's uh essence and presence and she's gorgeous yes but um there are other reasons that she's so uh in, enthralling and um yes you could argue if you wanted to take this tack you could argue that she's not that fleshed out a a character um and i that's fine but that's not, I, I don't think that's what the movie is trying to to do which again you could have a problem with that too plenty of people do apparently a lot of people apparently don't like this movie for some reason um or maybe for all the reasons i just said listen to yourself david um but like trying not to say um and i realize i literally need to say um to think because otherwise i'm just thinking don't say um don't say um uh so yeah she's um she's fantastic with ben affleck um this uh is is one of these latter day uh or maybe we'll be talking in years about this being a mid-career period because he's you know not exactly an old man at this point um he's a middle-aged guy uh but this is one of those roles where he has uh, i think he's i think he's always been at his best as an actor when he's playing characters who have at least as many uh unflattering traits as flattering ones and uh Vic here in Deep Water, which is a movie about a man who um, whose wife is kind of openly uh, carrying on relationships with boyfriends, and they don't have, they're not uh, being intimate, but they're still living together and raising their kid, and and uh, she's um, cheating. I guess is technically the word, but it feels like it's a more uh, involved thing than than that, and more. Um, it's got it's got more uh, wrinkles to it than that, uh, and so he's what I'm saying is he's uh, positioned as someone maybe a character of 
that you would feel sympathetic towards that uh, look at the way his wife is. But he's uh, almost immediately a creep in his in his own way. The first time he confronts one of the, the these boyfriends, he uh, doesn't exactly do so in like the noble hero uh, way. And, and, and throughout, he can be troubling and um, uh, possessive and, and all these things. And it's, I, it's a fantastic Ben Affleck performance. But Adrian Lyne, I just, uh, I mean, I guess I want artists to work at their own pace, but it sucks to not get movies like this more often uh, from him because he's he, he's he's such a sensitive director, um, uh, a fantastic director of actors. I don't just mean he gets good performance about them, but he I also mean he knows how to look at them with the with the camera when you know what is the best angle to catch um a little grimace or glance um or or um when to go in for a close-up be it on a person or on ben affleck's characters uh pet snails i don't know pet doesn't seem the right word for snails he has snails he keeps snails grows cultivates me cultivates snails um although that implies that he that they're for eating and he makes very clear these are not snails that you eat uh but uh yeah there's um there's the, the this movie is is built uh formally and aesthetically in a way that feels uh so right um and unforced at, at every every moment I, it's absolutely one of the best movies of the year so far for me Okay, going back in time, like Huey Lewis, uh, I caught up with Tsai Ming Lang's 1994 Viva L'Amour, uh, and this movie is very much up my alley. Um, it's recently been restored, uh, and you can find my review of the restoration of BattleshipPretension.com. Um, it's a... Uh, a Taiwanese movie, like most of uh, Simon Lang's movies are, uh, about three different people who are lonely or sad in their own ways, but also in the ways that the movie suggests everyone kind of is, uh, who through a certain series of events, all three of these people end up with a set of keys to an empty luxury apartment that they use to be themselves conduct trysts uh a, a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of yeah uh good companion piece with deep water a lot of uh sexual stuff some kinky stuff um and uh the that um the the contrast of these people's desperation in many ways um and their their need for human contact with their disdain for <laughs> human contact and their need to be alone. Um, those, those, those things meet in this, uh, in this space that's sort of in the middle of the city, but it's its own space. It's a hermetically sealed, um, alternate universe, this, this apartment. Um, and, uh, they find themselves and they find each other, 
or they don't find each other and they sneak around. There's an element of farce to the movie, which is, if you know Simon Lang, it's not, that's not his, you know, cadence wise. That's not what he's really doing. He's not making a farce uh, in, in the like fucking noises off way or whatever that we talked about. But um, he, it's, there is a lot of like people sneaking in and out, you know, ships in the night and, and trying not to get caught. Uh, uh, in the in the apartment it's a it's a terrific bit of fun um like a lot of Simon Ling's movies it has long stretches with no dialogue but um that doesn't mean that it's uh in any way you know dull or slow because usually when there's no dialogue it means there's something there's some sex happening or something like that okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, next movie. We're tearing through these, aren't we? Um, this is what, see, I get to, I, I make up more time when I don't have to throw to Tyler. I'm going to see, oh, Tyler, what did you watch? It's just, just the good stuff. <laughs> oh. All killer, no filler. Um, all right. Uh, next up, Lucy Walker's Bring Your Own Brigade, which is um, it's an explainer documentary, which is not my favorite mode, but this is a pretty uh, compelling one. Um, uh, it's about wildfires, specifically, I mean, it focuses mostly on wildfires in California. The, the camp, the, the was it 2018 the campfire and then the uh which was up north northern california and then the one the malibu fire which is not called that wellsy fire i can't remember what the two fires are they name fires uh and I, I don't remember which ones these are though or which one the malibu one was um and it it starts with being about the experience of the the experience of the fire of the people who survived the fire there's the campfire in in, in the town of paradise uh there I, I don't personally if i were trapped in my car unable to move because of all the cars that were literally on fire next to me and, and couldn't move um my impulse would not be to get out my phone and start recording but i'm grateful i guess that some people's that what is some people's impulse because you get some pretty amazing uh self-shot footage of, of these the, the people who did end up surviving who did end up getting their cars out and, and, and there's the this long sequence of the fire happening it goes on for so long that i forgot that it was still the middle of the day when this was happening because the sky is completely black it looks like it's the middle of the night and then they finally like get going and they're driving with, with the cell phone uh 
the the phone video footage uh and then they get past the smoke and they just come out into this road in the blue sky and it's uh it, that that shot is one of the uh most amazing shots i've seen in any movie uh in the past year or so but um so that's how it starts off then it goes on to sort of being uh, i said an explainer a movie that breaks down why these wildfires are 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 happening in the the obvious answer that so many of us point to and that lucy walker the director even says that she assumed is climate change and she kind of gets like early on is like yes that's the drier climate is absolutely a factor but she kind of moves on from that pretty quickly and gets into these larger things about uh the way that that the land is managed and uh, especially the difference between public land and private land and how those two things are uh, are managed and she gets into the way that people live up against uh fire hazardous areas like not just that they live so close but like how they manage their property you know and what's uh uh what's combustible that's close to their house and, and um uh what houses are made of like houses that survived in malibu and houses that didn't because of the not just the material but also the way they're made you know um the one guy talks about how he's his neighbor's house has like eaves which is like a perfect place for like little uh embers to get up there and get the whole roof on fire in a matter of, of minutes there's a it's a pretty um yeah like i said it's a pretty compelling movie um and it's the kind of documentary where you can say i learned a lot it's not necessarily what i watch movies for but it's not um something that i'm going to uh turn down i'm not going to kick it out of bed um definitely also not going to kick out of bed uh i've talked about the a number of these movies um recently i i think this longer lead up until the os to the oscars gave me more time because i always try to use the time between the end of the year and the oscars to catch up on 2021 films i haven't seen and so because i had so much time sorry films from the previous year it's not always 2021 you know what i mean um anyway because I had more time, I was able to kind of dig a little deeper. And, and as you've probably heard me talk about on the movie journal, I um, watched some of these like direct DTV directed video type of movies. I talked about um, Hell Hath No Fury and I talked about Sentinel. Uh, and I watched another uh, one called Castle Falls, directed by and co starring Dolph Lundgren. Um, the uh, main star of the movie is Scott Adkins, who is like one of the you you probably already listen you listeners probably already know this because you're smarter than I am, but he's one of the go-to guys for this uh, this sort of realm of of, of movie making. And uh, yeah, um, Castle Falls did not disappoint as uh, a it's just an action movie that delivers on on the the action and um, doesn't insult you with the character and emotional parts it has them i think it builds them with an economy more economy i think this is the problem that 
one of the main problems I had with Army of the Dead is it's trying too hard to make it to 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 um convince you of its emotional stakes. Whereas Castle Falls is like, okay, the 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 premise is that uh Scott Adkins is a former MMA fighter who takes a job as a day laborer uh ripping copper and stuff out of this hospital this abandoned hospital that's going to be knocked down you know and take everything worthwhile out and he gets hired to to do that uh, meanwhile Dolph Lundgren plays a prison guard who finds out from one of his through one of his prisoners that there is a whole lot of money stashed in this in this hospital um, and uh, another gang knows about it and Dolph Lundgren is like and, and uh Dolphin is like, I'm going to get it before this game because my daughter is uh, term- as a uh, is very sick, um, and so you've basically got an a former MMA guy, a prison guard, and then a bunch of gangsters all searching through a hospital to be the first, an empty hospital to be the first to find the money. And oh yeah, in 90 minutes, it's going to be demolished. <laughs> like it's literally already like wired to to blow what a fantastic uh, like so simple and so great a, a premise and uh it doesn't disappoint i mean yeah there's some corners cut uh, here and there in terms of 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 cost there's literally a scene where a character gets the name of the hospital wrong and i was like i guess they didn't have time to do another take of that <laughs> um but uh yeah you've got some hand-to-hand uh, and some gunplay and some uh, just just really sturdy action. I'm really glad I watched uh, Castle Falls of the of the those other uh, DTB type movies that I mentioned. This is a good one. Um, they are good ones, is what I meant. Uh, this is my favorite. Okay, uh, my next film that I'm going to be talking about is a German film called Wooden Water. In, uh, which is about a woman um, who is just retired, played by the director. The director is Jonas Bach. And uh, I wonder if we're related. B-A-K, B-A-X, I wonder. Um, Jonas Bach uh, is the director. His mother plays a woman who has just retired. And um, she's at her like uh, little modest little like cabin uh, in, in the woods. Uh, and... Um, wants her family to come visit to celebrate her retirement. Her daughter, daughter's come at the last minute. Her son is like, I can't make it. Uh, doesn't really give any reasons why, and then kind of disappears. And so she, unbeknownst to him, who lives in Hong Kong, takes off to Hong Kong to go visit her son um, and spends the rest of the movie kind of walking around Hong Kong. He's not at his apartment. Apparently he hasn't been in days. Um, so she's just hanging around in Hong Kong waiting for her son to show up or, or, or contact her. Um, and, uh, I, 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 the, the thing that's really interesting is that she's in Hong Kong in like spring of 2019, when all of the protests about the extradition law were, were happening. And those protests are in, in the film. Um, and I think a lot of the movie is about, um, sort of perspective that like this is a huge thing that's happening she's obviously more concerned at the moment with her son and that uh you can't really blame her uh uh 
for that. Um, and uh, but you also um, maybe uh, you could feel one of two ways about how she is at the beginning of the movie, where she's like, everything's good for me now. Um, and just stop him because you can't just, you can't just stop. You have to keep doing what you're doing in a way. Like, uh, thematically, I think this movie kind of, uh, is in conversation with, uh, what do we see when we look at the sky, which, uh, made my, my top 10, uh, movies of 2021 list. It's a very different movie, but, um, that idea of just, it's not always wrong to be focused on your personal shit just because there's uh, bigger things happening in the world. So you, your personal shit is big to you um, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, but like I said, it's a very different tone. It doesn't have much of the, it has some dry comedy, uh, not as much as what do we see when we look at this guy, but um, it's a very still and quiet and, and patient uh movie and um also it's all over in uh 80 minutes uh really good really like that um then i watched a new restoration of a 1978 film called stunt rock hold on (laughs) stunt rock is a movie about an australian stuntman playing himself grant page uh is his name real stuntman we see a lot of footage of him doing real stunts um who comes to los angeles for work but also visits his american cousin who's a magician in a heavy metal band (laughs) his band sorcery which was a real band uh that played you know uh proto heavy metal type music um but part of their stage show was two magicians playing out a battle between Merlin and Satan and doing all those like big illusions, things disappear and there's pyrotechnics. And uh, uh, so, so it's in one way, it's a movie about a stunt man and we see him do stunts. We see him like he's being interviewed for an article, which makes the movie kind of turn into like a stealth documentary about stuntmen because he's, talking at length about his experience and, and what is entailed in, in, in stunts. And um, we see a lot of clips uh, from footage, uh, clips from movies that he's been in, behind the scenes footage of him being lit on fire and jumping off of clips and shit like that. Uh, he also does some actual stunts in the, the movie. He like uh, does like a man on wire type of, type of deal sort of. Um, and he gets hit by a car and he falls off of a water tower. It's the movie's just full of stuff. Even it like opens with like a jackass style disclaimer, like do not try this at home type of disclaimer. Um, but uh, the, so you're, I, what you're saying is how is this movie about these two things? <laughs> uh, and it, 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 a lot of it does feel like it's just two different movies. There's just a, 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 a semi-fictional movie about a stuntman playing himself and essentially a an extended concert film of of this band sorcery uh but like i mentioned the magician is grant page's 
American cousin. I don't think that's true in real life. I think that's a made up thing for the movie. But um, they, so they hang out together. They uh, they meet chicks together, and uh, uh, eventually they uh, come up with a new. <laughs> they got to kick off a new trend <laughs> called stunt rock. Like I imagine they're envisioning multiple bands incorporating stunts into their live shows and it's going to be its own subgenre of, of of rock music um it's uh it's so ridiculous but it's also undeniably a good time um although it depends on your your tolerance for the music of sorcery because there's a lot of them just playing music in the movie uh, but there's also a lot of stunts and um the whole endeavor seems like almost like it's some kind of scam, <laughs> but uh, uh, like I imagine they got money out of investors saying like, we're going to kick off this new trend stunt rock. Um, uh, what a ridiculous movie, but also like it's being restored and released because it's a good ridiculous time. And uh, it's, it's worth your time. Also worth your time. Here's a, you know what? Don't watch army of the dead. You want a good way to kill two and a half hours. You watch Tyler Smith's Valley of the Shadow, the spiritual, the spiritual value of horror. Um, uh, it's um, less uh, of it is of, like his previous Tyler. That's my co-host. He's not here. Uh, his previous film, Real Redemption, is about the history of sort of the church and Hollywood and stuff like that. Um, and the spiritual value of or value of the shadow um starts up front addressing the way that many christians in america uh maybe other places in the world too i don't know um feel the sort of knee jack knee jack knee jerk uh, uh reaction against horror as a as a subgenre or as a genre um it addresses that but uh when Tyler subtitles maybe the spiritual value of horror, he's not making, or he spends very, very little time making the Christian argument for horror. That's not really what he's, 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 he's doing. It is actually about like, I think someone who adheres to any number of belief systems could find spiritual value in the way that, Tyler talks about horror and what uh, horror allows us to see about ourselves, to learn about ourselves, to experience, to risk. Um, uh, and formally, the movie is also, I think, um, uh, it has a, uh, it's more fun. I like Real Redemption, but this is more fun in a way. Uh, Bill Oberst Jr. is the narrator, but he's also kind of the host. I think that's how he's credited, the host. Um, and in between sections, there are all these uh, shots of him giving the narration while sort of walking around this like creepy old estate. Um, and I, I did not expect because um, he's a horror actor he's got a good horror type voice i thought i knew i was going to watch a documentary about horror movies i didn't realize i was going to watch a movie that itself feels like a horror movie uh i really um really enjoyed valley of the shadow 
the spiritual value of horror. Um, I'm going to skip that one. So, um, yeah. Oh, home, home stretch. We only have two left. Woo-hoo. All right. Uh, next, I watched a brand new film. What country is it from? You tell me. Um, well, this is Australia and UK. I don't know what country it actually... Uh, oh, the language is Macedonian. So I guess it's a Macedonian film in that way. Uh, it's called You Won't Be Alone. directed by Goran Stalevsky. And it's it's up my alley. If uh, if you, you, you listeners, you know. Uh, Scott and I did a whole episode on this uh, uh, um, back in... 2020 it's a it's a witch movie it's about witches um that's so up my alley um it's specifically uh about a um there's a a witch um called old old maid maria who takes children and um she uh uh the movie is more about the child that she 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 shows up old maid maria shows up as a when, when the child is a baby and like claims her and then when she's grown up she like turns her into a witch and these witches can sort of take on the appearance of other people and so there's uh in kind of like a todd Solomon's palindromes type of way there's a bunch of different actors playing this character uh throughout the the movie as she sort of like tries to escape from old maid Maria, but then tries to live on her own with this curse of having become a witch herself. Um, one of the actors who, uh, there's a lot of, like I said, actors, adult children, male and female who play this character, but, uh, new year pass is the, 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 the biggest name, uh, uh, of them. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, definitely not going to be, there's going to be people for whom this is not their cup of tea because it's uh, quiet and, and and meditative, but also occasionally very bloody and gross. Um, uh, and um, it doesn't have a it doesn't have much of a traditional plot. It's um, just this girl who's been already been raised in a weird way. Um, because of this witch claiming her when she was a baby, um, now trying to figure out, literally figure out her place in the world. This could be potentially, this could be, you could call this a coming of age story of her trying on the way that teenagers do, trying on these different uh, personalities to see which one um, suits them. Uh, well, you know, also growing claws and scratching people's chests open and licking blood out of dead animals and uh yeah it's uh it's very much my kind of movie i have to say and i understand that it won't be anyone everyone's um final film we'll see how this goes i'm gonna upload that i think uh i don't think i've embarrassed myself listeners let me know if i've embarrassed myself but uh the final film that i that i watched this the other night is a documentary from 2015 documentary from 2015 called everything is copy and this is a documentary about the late Nora Ephron made uh, by two directors, Nick Hooker and the, yeah, Nick Hooker. And then Jacob Bernstein, who is Nora Ephron's son. Um, and I think uh, often I find documentaries are made 
by or with the approval of or biopics as well you know like king richard i didn't really like um with the approval of the family of the person being whose story is being told i find them to be um uh a, a little bit you know sanded down or or uh watered down uh but the the term everything is copy is something that Nora Ephron used to say, her mother used to say that anything that happens to you can be turned into um, a story. It can be, you know, you can, it becomes yours and you can use it however you want. And I think that, uh, that, that leads to a kind of like self-awareness that actually makes that, that you see, she's clearly passed on to her, her son. And, um, the documentary is so uh it's about first off it's about a person a lot of people loved there's a lot of people interviewed in this uh a lot of famous people interviewed in this in this movie i won't spoil all of them um but um clearly a lot of uh people that america loves loved nora efron um but also the movie is not at all uh blind to um some of her uh, uh, other, like, less flattering traits or less friendly, you know, she um, uh, wasn't always uh, the most supportive or attentive person because she could be very much inside her own uh, uh, head. She could be a very judgmental person, as as the, as the movie talks about. And I think... Uh, uh, this is a, a a great movie about a great artist and and writer, but it's also a documentary about a mom um, to the 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 director. Um, and uh, it's I thought it was a really fantastic portrait of uh, Nora Ephron. Mm-hmm.